0: So I'm in 1 Thessalonians 5. We've been, we've been making our way through uh, 1 Thessalonians and just have a, f- a few weeks left in this. We've been talking these last couple of s- Sundays when I've spoken just about protecting this moment, that this is this rare moment you have in the course of your week to hear from the Lord in this setting. Obviously, when you have your quiet time and you're in the Word, you're hearing from the Lord. But here's this moment when really our lives do kind of step out and we get to worship and hear from him uniquely so let's just protect that if you don't need to get up and go out i just encourage you not to do that or to just fight against distractions that the evil one's going to bring us because we're here so we've been looking as you know at thessalonians for as as under this banner that god the gospel in three weeks paul says he's there three saturdays in three weeks all of what we read in thessalonians happened i mean this morning we're going to look at church leadership and in three weeks they decided who was going to be the leadership of the church. And, and everyone says, you know, in that early days, and, and Thessalonians, that's an early letter. In those early days, they hadn't really developed what church leadership looked like, except that there were a group of men who were leading the way. We'll talk about that in, in a minute. But just this short amount of time, that I can't get past that, that for some of us that have wrestled, or I hope someday to get over this, or, this is three weeks of change that we're reading about and that we're seeing happen. So I wanna read in 1 Thessalonians 5, um, just love these verses, it starts in verse 12. We ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. I love those verses. Let me read them again to you. Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And be at peace among yourselves. You know, I came across this picture of myself from the church picnic. It was really strange. The more I looked at it, it just seemed to change. You know, really. And I was reading these verses, it was like they had this effect over this picture. And then I was reading this verse, and I was reading this verse, and the message. And now, dear friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging you and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them. I'm, I'm just reading. It's there. <laughs> Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Yeah. So. All right, the Lord must not like the picture that I've got on that one, so I'll just put that there. Yeah, so here, Pastor and I have been doing this for together for about 20, 20 years. We were figuring in this spring. This, uh, this is my 24th year. I, f- I came across this picture last week. This, I'm guessing, is 15 years ago. <laughs> Look what you have done to us. <laughs> you know? So. So. That respect respect and esteem, that sounds good. That sounds good to me. (laughs) So let's get that out of the way early. It says, who are over you? Who are over you? Most of us in the room have had bad experiences with people in spiritual authority somewhere along the line. You with me? Just if you have, raise your hand just so you get a sense, because some of you feel like you have a hard time at church because that's what's happened. That's pretty common. I mean, we have a lot of these letters because there were things going wrong in church and people that people that wrestle with, I don't know, about going to church, it's so messed up. Has been from the beginning. We're just continuing what's how it started and we're just trying to find God to step in and to do things. So we've all had these bad experiences, you know. Some of you, we have a number of of people in the church family that have been in ministry. We've experienced that on both sides. We've experienced people in authority who who have misused their authority, and we've we've been been on the other side where sometimes the people we're trying to lead have abused us along the way. It just goes on and on and on. You have people who are over you, who, who make you feel as though I'm trying to see, you know, there we go, who make you feel as though you're small. Some of you have had church leaders who do that or just who are just angry people or who came, come across like they're so much smarter than you are or are people who are not what they appear to be. Right. And so the scriptures warned us early on about these, she, about these wolves in sheep's clothing that we're going to come and, and do damage to, to the kingdom and, and to the church. And so, you know, the picture that Really is the best picture of what we do and what leadership is supposed to do it 's really the picture of a shepherd you know you don 't see shepherds with whips, you know, but you do see shepherds who know where they need to go who who take care of the body of the flock and as a whole, who know their sheep. A great book to, that I read that a number of you have read a great book to kind of understand. Shepherding and the Lord Shepherding of You is uh, this book, by, I think by Philip Keller is his name. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23. He is a shepherd. And he just walks you through that. Good one for us to read and to reread. But those who are over you, there, there is that. But this huge important caveat that they're over you in the Lord. Amen. Important for you to know that there's a sense where, it caught a chill anyway, God has placed Pastor Ted and I over you in, in the Lord, not in the sense that we're over you, we're the most spiritual in the room or we're the smartest in the room or whatever that is, but just as he has established his church and how it should run and function and be structured, that's kind of where we are. We're in the, in the Lord. Important for us to remember that that's the only reason we're in these positions, because this is serving the Lord and representing the Lord and just answering his call for, the, for this season. It's not that important for us to remember the flip side of that, not because we're more spiritual than you or because we know the Bible more than you. Some of you know the Bible so well. In fact, a lot of times when people come and get to be part of our church family, they'll say something to us about how blessed they are by how, much, how many of the church family know the Bible well. That's a great thing. That would make some leaders insecure. But to us, that's just the way it's supposed to be, that we're speaking the truth to each other in that way. So there is this sense in which God has placed us over you and the Lord. It's important that we get to balance because, you know, we're always moving out of balance, aren't we? If you've been wounded by somebody in spiritual authority, somebody, a pastor, you're going you're gonna to be very reluctant to get involved in church again or to trust a person like that or to be open Just so many places that's going to unravel because you've had an experience like that. Uh, you're going to be wise, I hope, and allow us to have time to establish our testimony or our credibility with you or to even learn your story and try to see how we can help walk you out of that or heal you or talk about you know, how we're struct- structured here to try to safeguard some of that stuff. It, but it's important that you come to balance, that at some point you come to a balance where, where you wisely trust, but you do trust, where you get to a point where you can allow people to lead you again. Because, you, you know, we say things like, well, I will never, you gotta be careful because those are vows we make. And vows just have a, a power over us because we tend to make a vow and then live it out. So over you in the Lord, that's the balance. And that's really what we want to get to this morning is what is that balance look like? Because I think in the verses, you do have a balance. I got a you know, I read your side of that balance. I want to reread that again and keep going because then it talks to our side of that balance. He says, we ask you brothers. And I believe there he's speaking to the whole church. He's used this word brothers a lot through the letter. We ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And then he says, and we urge you brothers, and I believe there he's switching and now he's speaking to the leaders of that church. We urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So there's our balance. If if church is going to work, if God is going to use the church in your life to the full extent that he wants to, if he's going to use you in the life of the church to the full extent that he wants to, if he's going to use Pastor Ted and I in the church to the full extent, this is our balance we have to that we have to embrace and we have to live out. So this is kind of how I've put it on on your side of that equation. And it's tough for me to say your side because I'm also part of church family, you know, so I have to allow Pastor Ted to lead, you know, I have to hear from him when he's speaking to me that okay he's a shepherd, I need to hear that. So so when I say your side, I hope, you, I hope you, you've known me long enough to know how I mean that. You know, I haven't replaced my office door with a golden door or anything like that, so I'm with you. Here's how I see this one side of the equation, is to have a heart for your leaders. Just have a heart for them. That's how I would summarize some of the, some of the words that he puts there. A heart that respects us, that's the word he uses. It's a word that means... That you know someone, uh, that that you um, you appreciate someone or you honor them. Some of that is is because you respect us as, as two people who've tried to live pretty openly before you. Because you respect the office that we hold, and sometimes sometimes that's tr- a struggle to do, isn't it? You think, well, this per- this man or this woman, they don't really they're not a really respectable person, but they hold this office, and so I've got to honor the office. That's important. But I hope we're living well enough that y- you can get both of those things together. Have a heart that, that respects us and that, that gets to know us. Because you know us, you find it easier to, to honor the position. He says, he says to esteem us a lot. You know, when he says in, in this verse to um, esteem them in verse 13, esteem them very highly in love. You know where you find that word? Over in Ephesians 3.20, more than you ask or imagine. So, I mean, you have to spend your afternoon trying to figure out ways to esteem me and Pastor Ted. (laughs) I'm just saying, that's really what the Greek word means. So, and whatever you come up with, just let us know, and uh, we'll humbly receive it. (laughs) No. It means that you think well of someone. You know, really highly. You know, if I marry that, the place that I think you know, for myself, f- for us, the place we really need to, to, to put that in is on times when maybe I say something or I do something or I don't say something or I don't do something. It, it's almost a word that protects you from having an evil thought automatically about that. But that tells you to esteem me enough, to think highly enough of me to come and talk to me about that. Say, hey, this is, this is kind of how I took that. Is that how you meant that? That you don't automatically go negative or you don't automatically group us with other leaders that you've had or that you don't automatically read motives into something that may not have been there. You know, that you give us an opportunity to at least speak to that. You know, I just I appreciate along the way that people have confronted me for play, things I've said where I had no idea how that might have come across, or things I said where sometimes I did know how that would come across, or how that goes. That's, that's an important part of being the body, is to be, uh, be able to be uh, approached in that. But it's an important way to keep leadership working that you don't automatically go negative, and that you especially don't gather people in your negative group, right? Because isn't it funny how fast we can, we can group negativity I mean, that's that's been happening since the very beginning, too. I mean, you watch that snowball in Corinthians, and in 2 Corinthians, Paul's having to prove that he's even an apostle because that negativity ball just kept growing and growing and growing. That's the opposite of esteeming, that I I stopped thinking well of you, and now I'm really looking down on you and, and labeling you. So... So if church is going to work the way that God intends for it to work, and it's supposed to work, it's not just supposed to be the service you come to, it's supposed to be a a key piece of your life with Jesus and serving him and being used by him, then your heart for us should respect who we are, it should know us, it it, it should esteem us, it should lift us up, and then because you have a heart for our leaders, this is really interesting to me, the other thing he says to the church family is to be at peace among yourselves. Man, would our lives be easier if if we all just figured out how to get along, and you di- you didn't come to us because you had an issue with someone, you went to the someone, and, and just figured out ways to resolve those things well between yourselves. It, it's interesting. He's going to say that to the church family. You know, be at peace among yourselves. At the end of verse thirteen. But then he's going to say to us in verse 15, see that no one pays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. It's almost like that's just, he knows that's just wired into us, hardwired into us, that if we're wronged, it's hard to, it's hard to do what Jesus said. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for us, if you're looking to make our lives easier or to help us to make it easier for us to lead and to follow where God's going, the fact that we can just lean in on God and move forward and not have to worry about turning around like our parents, you know, (laughs) when you go on long vacation drives, parents turning around and threatening to stop the car or to give us something to cry about or (laughs) making us switch seats or making us in the olden days, when you could sit in the middle, making you come up and sit between mom and dad. Yeah, okay, you're with me, yeah. On that hot vinyl seat, yeah. All those things. Boy, it just allows us all to get where we're supposed to be going. So much easier. You just have a a heart for your leaders. Why do you have a heart like that? Why is that? Because that's gonna be the important piece of this. Why should I keep looking up to you? Why should I feel this way about you? Why should I take the uncomfortable step of talking to someone? Why should I do that? I mean, I like you guys enough, but it's never about the people because what he's talking about, the root that he has for them in this is because on the one hand, okay, because God has set us in a position over, over you, but because they, we are in the Lord Because in verse 13, you esteem them highly because of their work. It's because of what God is trying to accomplish through Pastor Ted and I or through whatever pastoral team there is. You can move this right over to ministry leaders, I believe. You know, that that because of what Max and Sophie are doing with our teenagers, you teenagers ought to be hearing this passage in light of who God's put over you in youth ministry to speak into your life or... Maybe in, you're in a Bible study or you're one of the, the home Bible fellowship or whatever that ministry is, that ministry leader needs to be, you need to have a heart for them because of their work, because of the work that they're doing, because of the work that God could do in your life, because of the work that God could do in our church, if that piece of this whole thing is working well together, that, that Pastor Ted and I, in our part, were serving we're serving as under God with God's heart and God's way and his direction on your part if you're, if you're allowing us to lead. I gotta tell you, one of the things I love about this church over these 20-something years is we've been allowed to lead. You know, we've had moments when we had just intense discussions along the way and what do we think and where this is, but we feel like we've been allowed to lead. Unfortunately, allowed to lead. I <laughs> hope you didn't notice, actually, accidentally said leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope I'm allowed to leave when it's time to leave, but yeah, we've been allowed to lead. You can't believe how rare that is. So, so we appreciate it, but it's important for you to allow us to do that if God is going to do the work that he's got to do. Paul writes at the end of 1 Corinthians, he's writing about all these, these people that he's, that he's known and that have worked with them. Listen what he says, I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. Hey, God is trying to do something there in Corinth. And in order for him to do it, just subject yourself to this house and to the people in it so that God can do what he's trying to do. Some of you, you know, you maybe you have someone in your life who's mentored you or discipled you. Important that you subject yourself to them healthily, but you subject yourself so you can receive what they're saying to you. And God can use them to, to lead and shape and mold you. So, so in church, or over in First Timothy, when he's writing to Timothy about setting up that church, he says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Oh, I got the wrong verse here. Especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Uh, let me just turn over there. I think I thought it was First Timothy, five seventeen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it is. Okay, I was right. Sorry about that. Oop, here we go. Yeah, let the elders who rule well. That's the word. That's the phrase I was looking. The elders who rule well. In the New International they translated it, let the elders who direct the affairs of the church, you know, can be considered worthy of double honor. It's just a place where where scripture comes in and says, This is why God has put elders in place to lead and to direct, not as dictators and, and not as we're the as we're the only ones in the room with a brain or with a spirit, but just as knowing, okay, this is this is how this is supposed to work, and this is what we sense God is doing now. And and we have we have people in the church family that along the way we've bounced things off. This is what we're sensing. What do you what do you think? What are you getting on this? We've had times when people have approached us and said, "This is what I'm sensing from the Lord." What do you guys sense? And we get a sense, yeah, that is from the Lord. We feel like He's speaking to us in that way. Interesting. Over in Hebrews 13, I want to read this. i had intended to put this up there so you can. Flip over to Hebrews 13, if you want, because he, he says, he speaks to this again. We don't know who writes he, uh, Hebrews. There's different views on it. You're later on in the, in the story of the church. In Hebrews thirteen seventeen. obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know, that groaning of, oh, what next? Oh, not this, or however that goes. But really, the key piece of that is, for those of you that have been in bad situations and maybe you're here caught a chill fresh off of one, you know, we're so sorry for you because church should be the one place you can trust and you can be trusted and you're safest. So it's, uh, I'm just so sad that that's not the case so often. So, so if you're new here and that's how you come in, You're among a lot of us who've who've walked that road, and we're glad you're here. We wanna give you the time you need to kind of feel safe and feel settled and to have whatever conversations you need to have. Our authority, Pastor Ted and I exercise, we, we have a sense of it, we have confidence in it, but we exercise it in light of this phrase, they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. That we talk fairly regularly that we're aware that when we talk about sitting before Jesus and that judgment seat of Jesus, that he and I are gonna be there, just he and I, to answer for Cottage Hill Church over these years that we've done this together. That's a weight. That's a weight that we feel. Did we really do the right thing in that situation? God, it seemed like you, I hope so. God, you know, we saw we saw some people leave over this one. We thought that was you. We, you know, we still think it was you. But, you know, we're we're gonna give an answer in that day, for that. So as you wrestle with, wow, that's this is, you know, I think I can trust you guys to lead. You need to know over on our side, we're doing this really prayerfully, because we do not want. We know that when we stand before Him, the church isn't just like some side project God works on once in a while. He uses the word, this is my wife. So I wanna talk to you about how did you treat my bride? Yeah, yeah. We treated her gently. We treated her like she was yours and not ours. <laughs> we treated her like we thought you'd want her to be treated. We led her where you thought you'd want her to be led. That's what we thought, God. So if, if anything else, I hope you amp up your prayer life for us so that we have real clarity on where we're to go, especially in this season, this crazy COVID season when our ministry's been, been so, uh, in so much upheaval. To have no children's ministry. A few weeks ago, we were, trying to, we were talking, is there any way we can get, our, get the Sunday lunch up and going? Because it, it, I think we're all dying at the little bit of connection we have. It's just not enough with what we're used to. And, and he and I, I mean, that was a time for Pastor Ted and I just to be able to touch base with so many of you during lunch or during breakfast sandwiches. And that, that piece has gone to a large degree. So to know how to lead, and we had that discussion, and at the end of the day, we just felt like you just, there's just no way to safely do that right now. But you need to know those are the things we're trying to figure out. We're, we're trying to map together, how can we get children's ministry up and going can we can we do that on some levels and not other levels? I don't know. You just got to really be praying for us because we're going to answer for how we led during this season, and and we need to have his wisdom, and we need to be seeking his wisdom in that. I can tell you, we can read all kinds of things, and they are all over the map of what we ought to, what we ought to do. So it's just a time when we need to hear from the Lord as men who will give an account and have a have a church family that's you know, upholding us in prayer and that's willing to follow us when, when we think we've, we've got God's sense on it and his mind on it. You know, follow this thinking because this kind of came through to me that, that if, you value, if you value what God is trying to do, then you're going to value us because you're going to understand our peace in it. Our peace in it. I mean, you need to be in the word on your own. You'd be praying on your own and you'd be serving the Lord on your own. But there's a peace where God is using us in your, in your lives. There's a peace. We understand how important that peace is. But if you value what God is doing and how God works, automatically you're gonna value us for the peace we have in it. If you value church, if your heart is to be a follower of Jesus and to grow in him and to serve him, by nature you're gonna value us because of the peace that we bring to that. You know, those of you who are watching on live stream, you really need to, you need to sift that through. I really need to speak to you for a moment because the live stream is a wonderful thing. It's giving us an opportunity to reach people that we don't normally reach. But the live stream also gives you an opportunity to be lazy church. Can I say that? I'm not going to ask for that raise of hands because surely some people have thought, oh, I think I'll just stay home today and watch on live stream. Well, you never had that option a couple months ago, you know. So I understand some of that. But the live stream can never replace church. You know, we're glad you're, you can have it. Hey, Linda and Roy, I'm, I'm so glad you can watch in the hospital and feel like you're, you're with us. We're praying for you. But you're not having a church experience if you're watching on live stream. So I just want to challenge some of you. You really should be in the room. And affirm that for there's health reasons and safety reasons to stay home. You need to do that, but some of you, you need to be part of the family. You need to be back here. You need to value church, and the gathering, and, and what happens in the in the gathering. So if you value church, you're going to value the gathering. You're going to value the leadership. It's just going to all fit together the way God intended to do. I was reading in, in one person where he says, you know, value them because of their work. He said, what is the work? What is the ultimate work that elders do? And, and this person said, it's to get people ready for this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. Well, there's no condemnation, right? And um, you know, we're saved and so nothing's gonna happen. But look at the next verses. therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But we, what we are is known to God, and I hope it's known to your conscience. See, you get that sense in Corinthians where he's trying to validate who he is? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Ultimately, what is Pastor Ted in, in my work It's to get you ready for that moment. And to have Jesus really impressed with all the things you've done in his name and have him have a pile of rewards to give you because you were faithful and because you grew and because you had opportunities to serve him and opportunities to know him, that's our work. That's kind of, we talked about something that narrowed the focus for me when I read that, that. Yeah, when I'm having a conversation with you, I need to be having that conversation in light of, boy, you're gonna stand before Jesus and I want you to be as ready as you can for that moment. I mean, we're sharing, we're telling people about Jesus, so they'll be at that moment, the judgment seat of Christ, and not the great white throne judgment, which is the, the, the eternal um, judgment on lost people. So we want to get them there, to the judgment seat of Christ, and then we want you to be ready for that. We want you to be the, the servants who said, Lord, this is what you gave to me, and this is what I did with that. And how do we help in that? Because we encouraged you, because we saw that in you and encouraged you to chase it because we were faithful to teach the word in our side so that you'd understand and you'd understand... Maybe this is the changes I need to make in my life or here are the giftings that I might have or because we had conversations with you or because we prayed with you or because there were ministries at Cottage Hill that you could step into and get involved and develop your, your gifts and grow because we were faithful over on our side. What a great line. If you knew that you were having an exam and that a lot hinged on that exam, boy, would you value the people that helped you get ready for it. That's why he would say, he would say things like, Respect those, esteem them very highly. Because in the Lord, we're trying to get you ready for that moment. So there again, circle back around and pray that we have clarity in conversations with what to speak into different situations. You know, we get so many things people will ask us that are just, wow, are you kidding me? This is what's going on, this is what you're facing, this is what's coming against you, what do we do? That's why I, I say so often, I, I, my heart goes out to my brother pastors in the persecuted lands. When do you tell a new Muslim background believer, listen, you need to tell your family you're a Christian now, knowing that they might be killed, that they'll certainly lose their job and their house. So often, I'm beginning to appreciate, so often if you're a new believer as a, as a man, your wife will take your kids and leave you or vice versa. If you're a new sister in Christ, your husband's taking the kids and leaving you and no, you have no recourse. So imagine the weight on that pastor to say, no, let's just pray. God will reveal the time you need to say that. Or no, you just need to do this It's part of following Jesus. He said, whoever denies me before men, I'll deny my before my Father in heaven. All of those things, you're gonna pray. We know what God wants us to say in these moments. So hope you have a heart for us Appreciate how you've allowed us to lead. Hope you continue to do that. Now on our side of the the equation, when he says, and we urge you brothers, in verse verse 14, if, if we hope you have a heart for leaders, then it seems like he says over on our side that leaders lead with a heart. Not with the heart, because if you lead with the heart, that's emotionalism you know, well, man, I, I know I should have said this to you, but I just didn't want to hurt you. That's leading with, with the heart, you know. And then you get into the, the role, too, that the heart is evil, and it's, it's deceptive. And I can lead with the heart, and, and my heart wants to take care of me way before it wants to take care of you. So it's important not to lead with the heart, but to lead with the heart. I mean, some of you have been wounded by people in spiritual authority because they acted heartless, to what, you, what was going on in your life in a moment. And so when I read with what was going on, that's kind of how he summarized it, was to lead with a heart. And he, says, he says in verse 15, you know, make sure nobody's repaying evil for evil, because that comes naturally to us. You've done this, I'm not doing that for you, or however that, however that plays out. He says leaders admonish from the heart. First of all, he tells us admonish the idol. Uh, he said at the end of verse 12 that they admonish you. So that's interesting. Twice in a couple of verses, he points to the work of, of church leaders as admonishing or warning. That's what the word really means, that we see the consequence, hey, if you keep going in this direction, or hey, I've noticed this about you, or we've missed you, or we've seen you on livestream a lot, or whatever those things are, we just feel like we need to warn you, that, that we warn you with a heart. And not just, hey, you're totally off. You need to stop doing this. You know, we've all been warned poorly, but we know the danger. We know this could, this could come in sin. Uh, we know we've seen people, we've seen this before, all of those things. I was thinking to myself, who is it that you allow to warn you? Who do you allow to admonish you? Because warning, admonish has a sense of warning with a little bit of push to it which, hey, granted, sometimes we need that, you know. I've warned people, I, can tell you, I can't tell you how many times either one of us have heard, or those of you that have been in, in ministry leadership of any, of any kind, how many times you hear, oh, you don't need to worry about that. When you find out later, you had a right to be worried about that. Or I think you're making too big a deal of it, or yeah, I don't really see what you're seeing. All of those things that are not receiving a warning, Hey, and, and, and we try to be truthful. We try to approach people with this may not be an issue, but I just wanted to, just wanted to say, or there have been times we've said to people, man, we keep seeing this in you. It's just not gonna turn out good. It's not gonna turn out good. But So who do you allow to speak into that? Somebody that you know cares about you? You know, somebody that you have a sense knows you? Somebody that, has maybe a, a relationship with God, so we value okay, but I feel like maybe they are hearing from God, somebody that knows the word, somebody that has either been through that, if someone were to say to you, "Have hey, been in your situation, and I see this is what you're doing." you're going to receive that from them, or, or, you know, somebody that just has life wisdom. <laughs> this whole thing of, of uh, who you're going to listen to, I was thinking of this commercial. Do you know this one? Can you say the phrase from this commercial from Farmer's Insurance? We know a few things. Yeah, because we've seen a few things. So there's somebody you're gonna let warn you. You know, we could say to you, hey, we, we know a few things because we've seen a few things. You know, we've seen a few lives flame out. And we've seen a few lives take off and go in great directions. And so... On our side, that's something God calls us to do, is to warn and to to admonish you, but to to do that well, to do it with a heart. When he says here, to warn, admonish the idol, look at how the Message Bible puts this part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on, and gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet, be patient with each person, attend to the individual needs, and be careful that when you get on each other's nerves—never happens in Cottage Hill. If you're new here, when you get on each other's nerves, I appreciate someone not saying, not saying, "Amen." Yeah. Be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other, and always do your best to bring it out. I mean, what more do you need to say for just making church work? But that first line, our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. There's the idol has this sense of people that are just coasting of people who aren't doing their part of the equation. Conversations that you hear and I hear of, you know, I just keep waiting for God to show up and he's just not, you know, he's not helping me. He's not doing this and we need to, we need to have the conversation. But you're on your side, you're not doing anything. In Thessalonica, it seems like when people try to string together what was going on, it seems like there were people who believed that, well, if Jesus is coming back soon, why work? They just quit our jobs and wait. Because he says to them, in Second Thessalonians, he'll say, those people that have stopped working, you need to stop feeding. It's in Second Thessalonians where you see that phrase, if someone doesn't work, they shouldn't eat because that's what was going on. And so he tells, he tells the leaders in Thessalonica, listen, people that are idle, you need to admonish them. You need to warn them that we've been told to work. Let him who steals, steal no more, but to do something productive with his hands. That's what Ephesians 4 says, that we're supposed to work and we're supposed to, we're supposed to pull our, our part. We're supposed to help God uh, in how he wants to provide for us. It, it's people that have just coasted Sometimes we're warning people who have coasting, just kind of coasting in their church relationship. You come in, you sit, you sing, you listen, you leave. And and you don't understand that if God has called you to cottage hill, he's called you to be part of the family. And to help out in the family and get to know the family and grow in the family. Or to warn people that used to be so involved who are not involved at all anymore. And we try to be aware and in tune with, we understand seasons get crazy and it's good to, t- to step out sometimes and just have a, a time of reprieve. You know, we, we can bless that a lot of times, but a lot of times people just are coasting and it's so easy to coast, so easy. Can I speak to those of you who go to school? And so, you, may, you know, your involvement in the life of the church drops off because of school. And we understand that's a season. We just watch, typically, it's very hard for, for those people to plug back into, into the normal life of the church. Can I say that as a warning, that's, if that's some of you? So we just watch that sense of idleness. The word, the Greek word also means you get out of step. It was used in the military, you know, where they would march in and they march in so well my brother, Scott, who was here a couple weeks ago, went to the Naval Academy. And at the Army-Navy game, they have this thing a couple hours before where both schools march in. You know, the whole Naval Academy marches in. And then West Point marches in. I remember, Scott used to say he always liked the years when the Naval Academy went first. Because they walked, they marched in. Or when, yeah, when they went first, they marched in. Everybody thought, wow, are they good. And they had a moment where people thought that. Because when West Point marched in, they marched in so much cleaner, so much more in step than Navy does. Because really, when you're on a ship, you know, it's not like you're going to be doing a lot of marching. So, (laughs) but when you couldn't get into Navy, and so you went into Army, so, ooh, sorry, yeah. (laughs) Marching, so some of you, you've been marching, or maybe you're in a band or whatever, you get that person out of step. That's what this word is. Now, put that, in, put that in the church context, that we have a sense of what Cottage Hill, what God wants Cottage Hill to be about. And so as part of the family, we need to just stay in step with that, uh, of how that works and what priorities are and what we do. and you know, That's why when, when if you're very new to Cottage Hill and you try to get a sense of, is this the place God wants for me? You have to, when you get to the point, this is the place you have to settle down, that, yeah, the priorities are what I feel like the priorities God wants for me rather than come in and just be someone that's always out of step with us. That's hard for you, it's hard for us. So, so he says to admonish, and leaders will admonish from the heart. Leaders will encourage from the heart. I'd much rather encourage than admonish, but if I'm getting you ready for that moment, and if I'm getting ready for my moment, I have to do what the moment calls for, whether that's easy and positive, or whether that's, that's going to be a little more to the heart with a little more truth. Not more truth, but just the hard truth. Encourage the faint-hearted. Who hasn't been faint-hearted? I mean, that's a great word, isn't it? This is a church where Paul wondered if they were even going to make it. If you turn back to chapter 3, remember he says why he sent Timothy? He was there three weeks. He worried about them. He sends Timothy back. This is how he puts that. So this is why he's speaking about faint-hearted people. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, why, so that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this, for even when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as now has come to pass and just as you know, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. And you know what that would look like? I was worried that Timothy might get there and find out that there was no church left because the persecution was so intense. And so when he says to the leaders there, you need to encourage the faint-hearted. That that Greek word, sometimes the words have pictures to them. It means to be short of breath. You know, you you meet someone and say, how are you? Oh, man, I just, I don't know if I'm going to make it. It's like that. People that have just in the moment, they just feel so short of spiritual vitality, spiritual strength. So what do you do? You come alongside them and you encourage them. The word can mean you cheer them up. Hey, you're you're gonna make this. God is gonna be faithful to you. There's a way out. You know, we can, we're gonna get some people and gather to walk you through this. Whatever that is, whatever it looks like, it's important for us to encourage people that, that are just It's getting old. And for some of you, some of you whose stories I know, I know you're in a season where you feel like, how much longer is this season going to go on? That's faint-hearted. How much longer am I going to have to deal with this? How much longer is this struggle going to keep going? How much longer my health, my finances, you know, my my ex, my kids, my parents, my teachers, how much longer? That's faint-hearted. And so... You just speak life into that and hope into that. What did Paul do? He sent Timothy to check on them and to speak, to speak truth to them and to remind them of truths. Hey, we said this was going to happen. It's happening. It's not just happening here. It's happening all over the world. Whatever was needed to cheer them up. Then he says, and then to help those who are weak, to help the weak. You just help from the heart. Leaders help from the heart. They admonish from the heart. They encourage from the heart. They help from the heart. That's a word that means to hold up or to cling to. When we read the Message Bible? He says, encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. That's what this word means. You, you get someone and you're walking with someone. Some of you have had this literally happen. The person next to you starts to collapse and you just grab them. That's this word. People that are weak In that moment of weakness, you latch onto them to keep them from falling. He's spoken about that, too, because in in chapter 4, when he started, and he's talking about sexual purity, and we we spent those weeks there, I'm telling, this is how you ought to live in in sanctification. In verse 3, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that each of you abstain from sexual immorality, and that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor and not in the passion of lust. He's not putting that in the in the letter unless they've got a chunk of people there that are having an issue with that. Who that is their area of weakness. They've lived in a very sexually free society, and now they're having a hard time closing all those inappropriate doors. So what do you do with them? You hold them up. Some of you have been wounded in church because in your moment of weakness and in your moment of struggle, you were judged instead of held up. You know, sometimes all these things bleed over, don't they? Sometimes you need to hold that person up, but you also need to admonish them. And you can't keep putting yourselves in these situations. You you got to end this relationship. You got to stop going to that place. You got to change your thinking. You got to put something on your computer. You got to whatever that is. But but as leaders, and it kind of shows, we we just seem to be trusted with a lot of brokenness. We need to hear on our side of that equation is you let us lead you is to help you in your weakness. And one of the things, one of the ways of doing that I love is, hey, you need help. I want to encourage you, but I want to I connect you with somebody that has, has battled this weakness and, and found victory in it. That's huge. That's just the life of the body being the body. What Paul says in Acts 20, he says, in all things, he's talking to the Ephesian elders, says, the last time I'm ever going to see you guys He says, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than receive. Isn't that funny how that context is? How it's more important to give than to receive. He's not necessarily talking about money there. He's talking it's important for you to be pouring out than it is for you to always be receiving. You know, important for those of you that, that you know, would say, boy, I'm just weak, I'm just weak in this area. Important for you to start to grow and get strength in some of those areas. Sometimes I'll hear people talk about a weakness like they expect to have it their whole life. M- maybe fear is one of those. God doesn't expect you to live in fear. He doesn't expect you to, to constantly fail in te- sexual temptation. He doesn't expect you to... to where do we go on and on with anxiety or pride or anger or on and on we go. He doesn't expect you to stay there because he's provided for you not to need to live there. He's provided you a way out in all of those things. So, so hopefully before God, we come alongside with a good heart and we hold you up. But the goal is not to have to hold you for the next 20 years of your journey. It's to help you develop strength in the midst of that. And then leaders are, they're patient from the heart. You know, be patient with them all. (laughs) Always patient with everyone. So, yeah, people that, I know, Pastor, I'm so sorry to do this again. I gotta talk to you again. I gotta, whoever that is again. Boy, in in the flesh, it's easy to think, you know, oh my goodness, again. And then, you know, for me, I don't know how it works with Pastor Ted. I just get this voice of the Holy Spirit who tells me, you know how many times we've said that about you? (laughs) Oh my goodness, again? Okay, all right. I receive that truth, Holy Spirit. I just find you never are off with me. Yeah. Just be patient. We just try to show the patience with each other, with you, that God continues to show with us. Yeah. Yeah. So when I talk about praying for us, yeah, it's just uh, important that we do. You know, what struck me going through this was, you just have to understand, I have to understand, Pastor Ted and I have to understand, people are in different spiritual positions at different times. Look at this church. You've got people who are, uh, who need to be admonished. You have people who are idle, people who are faint-hearted, people that are weak. Just at different times, different people, different different situations. We just have to, Grass. That's how church life works. People that are doing great this week, this Sunday, next Sunday, you may come in here really broken. People that are really discouraged this Sunday may come in next Sunday, and God has helped you turn the corner on that. We just have to be patient enough to allow those things to all just kind of flow out so that God can use us for our role, however whatever our role is in your life, so that we allow him to use that, and we don't miss the opportunity because we were frustrated or because we... Whatever, all those human things that come to mind. But we just allowed them to do it. And then that last one to us, which is the same last one to you. So seek to do good to one another and to everyone or see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to be everyone. That we ought to always be, Pastor tonight, we ought to always be the diffusers. Oh man, you're right. I, I can't believe they did that to you. What are you gonna do? That is something I should never say. You know? But yet, don't you automatically go there with people? say, "What? What did you say? Oh my goodness, you didn't say anything back." Listen, I have the gift of sarcasm. I can give you like 10 things you could say back right now, you know? i want going to write them down? You know? You know, you know me well, and long enough, no, that's, man, that's where I go. <laughs> yep, I want to thank the Holy Spirit again for speaking really loud at times. You even notice that? Yeah. We should not be the ones that should be feeding any, anything in that way. We should be diffusers, truth-dealers, truth-dealers, because otherwise, we, otherwise we're just pretending. You know, we're truth-dealers, but, but we're f- diffusing things. I mean, this, the whole idea of uh, no one paying evil for evil, that goes contrary to Jesus' whole life and certainly to his teachers, uh, to his teaching. You know that you bless those who persecute you you bless and don't curse you know that you be salt and light I remember when Nate came back from one of his tours in Iraq or Afghanistan just talking about his role as in working with village leaders and just the frustration you had of being in a culture where it was an honor culture and so if something was done if something was done over to your family you had to do something to get even. That's just embedded in the culture. It's not embedded in our culture so overtly. It's more under the surface, even in church culture. So the call on us is to, with our hearts, make sure that doesn't happen. So he says this. He says this to, to you, your side of the equation, our, our side of the equation. But the reality is, the reality is that we're all called to shepherd. You know, we all should be leading people with a heart. You know, at the heart level. That's what I mean in the last part, two hearts. We should be involved in each other's lives at a heart level, not just at a life details and not just at a surface level, but at a heart level. You should be admonishing the idol. You know, you should be encouraging the faint-hearted just like we're supposed to. You should be helping the weak. You should be making sure nobody's paying evil for evil. You should be being patient with everyone. That's just part of church life, we have roles to make that work really smoothly. And if we all live out our roles well, boy, we'll have a cottage hill experience that'll really be rare in the culture. And God will be able to bring that revival that, that we talk about. I got to tell you, on my part, you know, I, I know Pastor Ted well enough to say, on our parts, we are just so thankful to be part of this church family. We're so thankful that we get to be a cottage show. We're so thankful. <coughs> That we get to lead you we're so thankful for how you allow us to lead you we're so thankful for times you've called us out when we need to be called out we're thankful for times you encouraged us when we need to be encouraged you know we hope that on our side we can be that faithful in leading where god wants this thing to go he's he's got plans that he always says are great and if we if we balance if we live this thing in balance well We're going to see people get saved. We're going to see all of us grow. We're going to see you do amazing things for the kingdom because, you know, you were encouraged and you were pushed out to do that and because we were kept from the evil one and anything you would have tried to do to grab onto us. We're going to see that happen. I really believe that because that's what his heart is and that's that's where the word goes if we do that all together. So, hey, let's stand. Let me pray over you and then, yeah, Carrie and and the team is going to come. They're gonna sing this song we've loved from our sister Lauren Daigle, you know, about dry bones coming alive, which she says the backstory to that was just a couple of them talking about all these prodigals they know who have left the Lord and, and wandered. And uh, so they wrote this song out of Ezekiel, just the Valley of Dry Bones coming together in life again. So maybe as we're singing that, you're singing that about yourself, God. Here I am, you've brought me to this church. I don't want to be a dry bone here. I want to be clothed and muscled and used for you. And of course, as we always, we sing that, we always think of people that should be here who aren't here. They've been, they just been lured out of church. They've been lured away from the Lord. So we sing that over them. Maybe that might be one of you on live stream that you're there because you just, you don't want to be here. So we're singing this over you. Lord, here's this word. We're so thankful for church. I really am so thankful that your plan wasn't just for us to follow you as individuals and maybe bump into another Christian sometime. But thank you that you, your idea and your plan was for these communities of believers. I'm thankful for our sister churches through the valley and the unique callings on each of them. We pray, pray blessing over churches that are just preaching the truth and the gospel god we pray growth and life and vibrancy over them even as we'd ask it for ourselves i would just pray over pastor ted and myself god help us to lead well help us to be worthy of these this position that you've given to us help us never to forget that these are your sheep your people who you loved and bought with your own price people for whom you have a wonderful plan that's to be encouraged and challenged. We pray you give us insights that we need in conversations, insight that we need in in the plans going forward for the church. God, we're so dependent upon you. Thank you for this church family and for their encouragement. Thank you for their giftings and their maturity in you and their knowledge of the word and their heart for you. Help us just to grow in that. So we pray for revival, God. We pray that you'd see us as, as people that are, you can trust with letting it start here and break it out, God, and then that we would just reflect what church is supposed to be. I want to pray over those, God, whose wounds from, from spiritual authority are fresh. And I pray, God, that you, you, Lord Jesus, you know, who are so gentle, you said your burden was light and your yoke was easy, However that went, Lord, I pray that you would just show up in their, way, in their lives to heal them and to make church safe again so they can find their place and place of growing and their place of service. Help us to do that well as a family. Thank you that, there again, Lord, you've trusted us with so many who've come in broken. Help us to be good menders in, in your name. So we pray that so that the world sees that this is legit and that this really works, and to your glory, amen. amen.
1: Oh, God, we're thankful for the message today, God. Thank you for using Pastor Ted, Pastor Jeff, to deliver it, God. We just want to take a minute and pray a blessing over them, God, as the body who um, has heard this message about uplifting our pastors. Would you all agree with me this morning and pray with me as we bless Pastor Ted and Pas- yes. Pastor Jeff? God, thank you for your faithfulness thank you for the goodness and the the perfect design that you lay out in your scriptures for us to see how church should work, how loving one another should work, God. And so many of us have been hurt like Pastor Jeff said and so many of us shy away from this real heart level connection the church is supposed to bring us because we're scared or because we don't want to be in the same position as we were before. God, I thank you for such a real, genuine heart that is presented to us in both of our pastors, God, and the leadership team here. God, I thank you for um, their faithfulness to your word and their faithfulness to deliver it. God, I ask that you would bless them, empower them, God, give them patience, give them grace, give them peace in all aspects of their life, God, in an overwhelming amount of your love that holds them up as they hold us up. Yes, thank you, Jesus. We just ask this in... Jesus' name, God. We thank you for everything that you've done for us through them, but God, everything um, that you've done in them as well so that they could lead us. We just ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.
2: Through the eyes of men, it seems there's so much we have lost as we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked and one by one the enemy has whispered lies and let them off as slaves but we know that you are God yours is the victory
0: It's a great song to be the bridge till till Wednesday. We begin to pr- pray for revival, revival over people that knew Jesus and just far from Him. And I want to just finish as a maybe as our benediction or as a blessing. What Paul wrote to the Philippian, to the brothers and sisters, then he says, "I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer mind for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now." And I'm sure of this And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let it be, Lord. Amen. Amen. Have a great week serving him.